Greetings, bike travelers and bike packers. Welcome to episode one of Chain Wheel Diaries, stories about bike travel told by the travelers themselves. Today's guest is Colleen Ponzini, a bike traveler I met on a Death Valley bike tour last year. Colleen, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Brian. Nice to be here. Tell the audience a little about yourself, and then we'll jump right in. Well, I'm a recently retired accountant. I was with government for a number of years. I've been riding for years and touring for quite a while now. I'm a mother of four, grandmothers of three, and I'm single. Let's talk a little bit about how you got into bike touring and bike travel. Oh, yeah, that was the Learn to Tour. When I publish this, I will add a link to some of those tours on the Adventure Cycling Association. But I am familiar with that um, intro to touring. And I, I have talked to um, more than one writer that has actually taken advantage of that. It is a great way to learn about it with other people and with experts leading the way. Oh, yeah. And the little tidbits you got from everybody else, that's what really made a difference. You just, a light bulb went off and you went, oh yeah, that's a great idea. You know, whatever it was, right? It was, it was a really good idea for me because I was a bit nervous too about ever riding on my own. I wanted to do it, but I wanted to make sure I knew what I was doing. And on the Death Valley tour, I was nervous as well. I hadn't, I I mean, we were going to be with about a dozen strangers. None of us had ever met the other before. We didn't know the guides. They turned out to be top notch. We knew the route because we were able to see it in advance, but we didn't know really what it was like. There's a difference between a line on a map and actually being on the pavement and doing the ride. Big difference. And that's one of the things you learn in bike touring is you can't anticipate everything. You can see the elevations, but it doesn't tell you, you know, how difficult those elevations might be. And of course, There's nothing on a route map that tells you what kind of wind you're going to experience during the day. And wind is the bane of cyclists, especially long-distance cycling. For sure. And even the heat, that can also, I mean, all these little things that impact you when you're riding, you can't predict those either. Or even just how you feel that day. We have much energy or not, right? Yeah, I would say that's an important point you just made, is that anyone who wants to take up bike touring bike packing, bike travel in general, you have to remember that once you get out there, there's really no turning back for the most part. You must always move forward. And after a long day of riding, getting up the next day and doing it all over again can be a little bit of a challenge. For sure. Some days those rest days can't come soon enough. That's why when you go without a group, it's actually a little bit easier because you can decide that for yourself. How am I doing today? What do I want to do today? When you're with a group, you're you're stuck to what the group wants to do. And if you're with a tour, you're a little bit more restricted because they do have a, a, an itinerary that you're following. They tend to be a little bit low on distances and whatnot, in my opinion. So they're never something that you can't do. It's just, if you were truly on your own, would you have done it that day? Maybe, maybe not. Yes, I think you're right. I think you could say, and nobody's there to shame you or hurry you along. It's basically, you know what? I did 85 miles yesterday. I'm going to do 35 today. Yeah. Or when you're riding with the group that you're just there together, like the one I did with uh, California, we made some decisions on the fly, that's for sure. We didn't have every night planned out. So I had a friend 
who I used to ride a lot with. We used to do triathlons. Then we got into doing long bike rides, such as like a Grand Pondo or, you know, some kind of a fundraiser event where you were riding 100 or 200 kilometers. Then he had this goal to go to San Francisco. And it was just like a light bulb went off. And I was like, well, yeah, that's what I need to do. So so he was my complete inspiration for it. And then I just went shopping to get the pieces. And then I signed up for a tour. That's perfect. But, but I like what you're saying is that a friend came up with the idea and you embraced the idea. Sort of. It was a jealousy. If he could do it, I could do there it. There you go. You said you pulled together the pieces for the tour. Talk about your equipment. Well, I, I'm a kind of person who, I am a bit of a shopper. <laughs> so if I would read something that was a good idea to have on a bike tour, I, I kind of went a little bit overboard and I would go and find them. I also knew from my friend that you had to pack it really small, so I was out shopping for the little stuff, the smallest stove I could get, the smallest compactable sleeping bag I could get. But most of it, I was trying to pick up the camping equipment and the tools that I needed and the bag and the bike itself, of course, and a tent. Because the other part of this was I wasn't really a big camper. And this meant I was going camping by myself on a bike, potentially. So I did a lot of the work by getting all the equipment that I thought I needed. Then I went to that learn to tour and realized what I don't need. So maybe you got it slightly out of order. You should have done the learn to tour first and then the equipment later, right? <laughs> yeah, but you had to have at least some of it. Like, So you had to do a little bit because you knew you had to carry the bags and you had to have a tent. And so you couldn't go without anything to one of those tours and do it. Not me, anyways. I could see suggesting to people get a small bag that maybe you could even put on your back if you had to and try an overnight and see if you like touring from there. But for me, what I did is I sort of followed my friend's advice and then started reading and figured out what I needed and, and just built on it from there. One of the things that I'm hearing a lot about is the urge to get people to do these overnight trips. Have you done anything like that? Oh, for sure. And I like to suggest to my friends to come with me. You know, they're like, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. It's like, come on, we'll just go to the island. Like, we've got a few islands over here in Vancouver, of course. And uh, we'll just go to one of the islands and just go overnight. Even if you want to get someone to drive over and bring the equipment with you. The idea is to get them out to try riding for the adventure of it, and not just an out and back, you know, where you're going from your home and, and out and back. And a few people I know have tried it, and they have started to get into some of this touring as well. I like to just try to find anywhere where I can go that is still a safe ride to take people like that, so it builds their confidence too. And then they can see if they really enjoy it, they can start to, you know, explore what they want to explore as well. I think that's excellent, Colleen, that you're urging friends and acquaintances to give it a try. Well, I'm, I'm definitely up for a ride if anybody's wanting to go. I even answered an ad recently for someone who's riding out in Europe. And I'm going to Europe at the end of May for a bike tour with someone I've never even met. <laughs> Where in Europe? We're riding what's known as the Eurovelo 15, so it rides from Switzerland to the Netherlands. It's a big one, but it's supposed to be an easy route, and I just thought it would be a great place to go, and 
I'm very fortunate to be retired right now. So for me, it's a, it's a way to get in a nice adventure for a fairly long time and just go see a bit of Europe. I appreciate the fact that you've retired. I think that gives you a lot more time to do something that you love. I would say anyone who's listening to this and is retired and you're looking for something really cool to do, bike touring, bike packing trips are a great way to do that. One question I have listening to you is how do you decide where to go? It sounds like if there's somebody else doing something and you can come along with it or you're doing something and they can come along with it, is that mostly your approach? I usually start with somewhere I feel comfortable. And I also look at what the weather would be like at the time I want to go. So I'm open to riding anywhere, literally. But I also want to ride somewhere where, where I'm relatively safe. So that's my first thing. And then I start to look at, well, how can I get there? Would I be renting a bike or would I want to take my own? If I take my own, how will I get back? Will I do a loop? Will I do a point to point? Are there communities that I can fly in and out of if it's if it's into the States, for instance? Can I drive and park my car somewhere and carry the bike on the back and then do a tour? I have all kinds of things I consider, but I think the very first thing I think about is where do I want to go? What would I like to see? And is the weather decent enough to ride in where I want to head? Recently, you rode from San Diego, California to Phoenix, Arizona, I believe. Yes. And I think you also, after that, uh, went on a tour of Vietnam. And I have heard many, many people say how wonderful it is to do a bike tour in Vietnam. But let's start with San Diego to Phoenix. Tell me a little bit about that. What, you know, how did you come up with that tour and how did it go? I responded to an ad for Companions Wanted on a bike tour. So there was a lady out of New York and she wanted to do the Southern Pier. And I said, well, I can afford some time, but I can't afford the whole time for the whole trip. So I joined on as one of ultimately four of us. And I met them in San Diego and rode to Phoenix and they carried on and went to Florida. So it, it was it was awesome. Tell me a little bit about the route. Uh, that one was a little sketchy on one section. I can't I can't lie about that. Um, but the weather was fantastic. I mean, it was fun. It's always fun to ride in the city. There was a fair bit of traffic on the route that we had. There was a lot of distance in between the rest, rest areas. So we had to be pretty prepared with water and food and whatnot. And uh, we had to work pretty hard to make sure we reached the place where we were going to be able to camp. I know that our audience is made up of some people who have done some bike travel, some who have never done any bike travel. Some have done self-contained, some have done van supported, some have done fully supported. The point of this podcast is to get people interested and inspire them to get out there. And it's a little intimidating if you've never done it before, because as you just pointed out, a route is a line on a map until you're actually on the route, riding it and discovering the things that you hadn't anticipated. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. And lots of things can come up as well. So you were able to pivot and improvise and adjust to the route. And like you said, some of it was heavily trafficked and uh, traffic is always of concern to cyclists. But what about the good parts? What did you see that you hadn't seen before? Oh, I just love riding in the desert, Brian. So 
The parts that I really enjoyed was when you get into the mountains and you start coming through an area and you get to explore all of the vegetation, the vistas, just the challenges as you're going up and down these hills and, and long stretches. That particular ride, it was the weather because here I was in California in the winter time, so that was great. And uh, it was just being in a different place. That particular one I really liked because it was quite natural compared to riding through cities or uh, a lot more communities. So we had a lot of open space. It was kind of cool being down by the border. You could see the border all the way along and get to see some of the, the workers as well as where they have like airports and whatnot doing their uh, patrols and everything. So that was kind of cool. That was new for me. Heading out of the ocean, that was fantastic. Some of the places I've been to before, so it was it was kind of nice heading into Phoenix, for instance, when I was leaving because I knew Phoenix fairly well. So it sort of was like a Finnish area that uh, I got to enjoy a little bit more from being on a bike instead of taking a cab somewhere from the airport to my hotel. That was nice. Now, that's an excellent description. It sounds like a great trip. Something that people may not know is that when you think of going on a bike tour or a bike packing event, you're always riding in a group. But that's not really true. Many times, you know, the travelers kind of spread out a little bit and you have the opportunity to enjoy a lot of solitude and really take in the scenery. Is that what you discovered? Well, that particular ride, yes. I, I think it was an area that it was safer to keep your distance than it was to ride really close together. So so that was helpful there. But I tell you that Vietnam trip I did, we were real on real <laughs> practically. So that one was more important to stay together because you really didn't know where you were going and they had to keep control of the group and whatnot, right? So so that was more of a group experience. Um the Southern Tier piece that I did was was something that you could do on your own, even though you were with the group. Still, we're doing a lot of riding on your own. You make a good point about sticking together because you're getting support from other riders. You're doing something that you share a passion for, riding with others that share that passion and discovering things along the way, I think adds to the enjoyment of it. For sure. It's the best reason to tour with other people is because you do get to share in the experience. I mean, even if you're not with them, all day, and you find a really nasty little piece of a hill or something, you get into the camp at the end of the night, and you have somebody to, to share that with, because they did the same thing. They had to climb that same hill, or got to experience that really cool downhill, or whatever it was, or that beautiful area. Yeah, it's really nice to be able to share that with others that you have in a group. And you also have not just the safety, but it's the common goal of achieving that particular ride. Yeah, you share a goal. I think you also make a good point about the camaraderie that you develop on a trip like that. Now, it sounds like you were self-contained. You're carrying all your equipment, your camping equipment, food, clothing. Is that correct? Absolutely. And I felt every little pound. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you, let's go through your configuration on your bike. Tell us a little bit about your bike. If you had racks and packs, were they front and back? How did you make everything work? I had bought my touring bike a number of years ago when I first started. So it's a Cannondale Touring. Uh, over time, I've added the 
both front and back racks. The new to me was the front racks within maybe a year or so ago. And that's what I brought with me when I went to San Diego because I thought I wanted to be able to have everything with me. We had some long stretches and I needed to make sure, like you said, we had all our food, equipment, clothing, camping, uh, water. That was really important. Tools in your spare bits. And I was also carrying uh, one of the bags I wanted to be able to fly home with it as well. So I was pretty loaded up for that one. How did that work overall? I mean, the idea behind self-contained and your configuration on your bike with all your gear and equipment is you try to you try to build some balance. Typically, my backload is heavier because I'm using the bigger packs, and that's where I put my tent and anything else that I'm putting over top. But I found that as much as they say that, if you need space to put something in that fits better in the front than the back, it's actually okay. I, I don't really notice it. I'm having to balance out the way that I've read about, like you described in magazines and things where they give you some good advice. It is a little bit lighter in the front for sure, but I'm not averse to putting heavy tools in the front or or uh, or even water or cans of food if I have that with me. So I'm not really strict on the, the weight distribution so much as the space distribution. All right. One more thing about the San Diego trip, and then we'll move on. The camping experience. How were you able to find campgrounds? What was that like? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I tend to be a person who looks ahead to see if there's options so that I know that I'm not going to get stuck anywhere. And if I am, I can deal with wild camping if I have to. That particular trip, the places to camp were actually few and far between. In the beginning, we were climbing out of San Diego and there's a long time to get into the mountains. There's only one community. There weren't very many camping spots. So we camped in the grounds of a library that was at this community we got to. And I understand in California, you're able to camp in public spaces like that. Now, we did that. However, the bright lights that we got around midnight from the cops that were checking us out. I'm not so sure that the advice I was told that we're allowed to do that was uh, necessarily correct. But I have never proven it either way. Either way. <laughs> I more of a curiosity, right? Yeah, and there was four of us. You could see all our bikes along the side. <laughs> we were pretty close together. <laughs> all right. Well, that sounds like a great trip. And it sounds like you were on the southern tier, like the Adventure Cycling southern tier route. Yes. We were using the maps from Adventure Cycling for that. And I would tell our listeners that if you're interested in easing into bike touring, a tour that's been organized by an organization like the Adventure Cycling Association is a great way to do it because you're going to have plenty of people around you, you're going to have guides, you're going to have that's van supported, you're going to have a van that's hauling all your equipment. So all you have to do is really focus on your ride. You don't have to do as much preparation and planning into an organized tour like that, which is my lead in for what I think was a supported tour that you took in Vietnam. Yes. What inspired you to do this tour? I have always wanted to ride in Vietnam since I started touring. And I had it in my head. I was going with a friend of mine. We were just going to go together and bring our bikes and ride. Then for a bunch of reasons I won't even bother to get into, that one didn't pan out. So then I thought, well, what if I went with a group? 
And so I started looking and I found this reasonably priced one with Intrepid and uh, I went for it. Tell us a little bit about Intrepid and then let's talk about the tour itself. Uh, Intrepid is an organization that does all kinds of tours all over the world. So they do anything and everything by the sounds of it. I've only done that tour with them. I quite liked it. So if anybody you know is looking at Intrepid tours, that particular one was a good one, in my opinion. I just went with it because of the price and the itinerary looked good. It had good reviews, reasonable distances they were using each day. So I thought, well, that sounds good. And you got to see a lot of Vietnam, which is really what my ultimate goal was, is to see it and to ride through it, but without having to worry about any of the logistics myself. How long was the tour? The tour itself was... 15 days, but I think we did 12 days of riding within that. They provided the bikes, so it was part of the tour. Yeah, and that's, that's what made it easy. I just had to show up. I didn't even have a check bag. I just had a carry-on, and that's all I needed. And I had to bring my helmet uh, because they didn't have helmets that they could use for us there. Were you camping? Were you hoteling? How did that work? Well, Vietnam is pretty cheap, so they put you up in hotels most of the way. There isn't really a lot of campgrounds. Um, even if I was going on my own, I would probably aim to stay in uh, hotels. Because, like I say, it's super cheap. And they're quite comfortable and they're everywhere. There's a lot of people in Vietnam. In terms of what they provided for us, not only did they provide the bikes, but they had the mechanic coming with us. And the buses and the, and the truck that carried the bikes was with us as well. So they would take us, every 20 kilometers, we would have a break of and too many cookies and fruit. And um, then we'd stop for lunch. And sometimes they'd pack up our bikes and we'd move us to the next place. And sometimes we would ride there. It was also a tour where we were exploring museums and other temples and things like that. So it was really well-rounded tour, but a lot of riding. We, we rode about 700 kilometers in total. But it wasn't completely not doable. It sounds like a lot, but it really wasn't, if, if you know what I mean. And it was a lot of flat areas, so that made it really simple, too. What kind of road surfaces did you encounter? Was it all asphalt, concrete? Uh, there was a mix. There was a, even dirt. But the bikes were, what I would just say is a bit of a hybrid. I can't remember the types of bike. I think it was a track. You had to have good tires that could deal with rough roads, for sure. I wouldn't have gone with a road bike. All you really needed was a decent bike that had some decent tires on it, and that was all we had. The tour was completely laid out. I mean, we couldn't go anywhere else. We had to stick with the group. Not just for safety, but we had no idea where we were. So they would also bus us through some of the dangerous areas that would have been much more uncomfortable to ride in. So we got some pretty flat, beautiful areas through the fields, through the little towns and communities. And then we would get taken through anything that might have been rough. <laughs> they really only made us climb one really big hill. That was it in, in 12 days of riding. Colleen, I really appreciate you being my absolutely first guest on my absolutely first podcast episode. Hopefully there will be more. Hopefully our paths will cross again. Certainly I plan on doing more touring and bikepacking, but I'm limited to how much time I can take off from work. All right, Colleen. Well, thanks again. Do take care. Happy trails on all your rides and I'll look forward to hearing about them. Okay, sounds good. Keep me in touch. I will. Thank you, Colleen. And bye.